0: You're trying to find a sense of light and humor in some of the most darkest and heinous of situations. And to me, that's the most beautiful thing about stand up is that like it really is the last place where I think the real freedom of speech exists. Welcome back to the Corner Talks podcast. I have my good friend here. How's it going, man? Happy to be back.
1: No, it shouldn't be about anything. Like this is yeah. one life. Yep,
0: one life? Like fucking yeah. do it. My guy. she just got it she totally understood it 20 years old when i started just watching a lot of movies how and it tells a story i want to tell a story today
1: i have a good friend talented comedian performer jesse singh what's going on buddy how are you
0: good bro thank you for having me brother
1: yeah of course man uh like i said uh you've been Really a talented comedian. Ever since I saw you, I was mesmerized by your uh, ability to make a crowd, a room laugh. And we first met at the Nothing Fancy venue back in uh, downtown Toronto. Um, you know, you were hosting uh, for one of Neimanaz's uh, performances shows. And yeah. like I said, I just love the way you kind of moved the crowd. Um, you kind of captivated everybody. It was a small room. It was very intimate, um, but you were able to succeed. So, yeah, Thank it was a really cool uh, impression.
0: <laughs> appreciate it. Man.
1: Yeah, of course. So um, I see you like, you know, been traveling on Instagram uh, recently, like you've come back from some sort
0: of tour. Um, what have you been up to recently? Yeah, man. So I actually went out with my boys, uh, Abbas Wahab and Mo Ismail, who are also two uh, Toronto based comics, um, you know, and they're doing big things too. like Mo just got off just for laps. Yeah, he just recorded an album, Homeroom Habibi. Um, and Abbas, uh, many people may know him from his podcast as well, Immigrant Section, but he also just uh, released his own debut comedy album, Safe Black. But essentially, it was just kind of three of us uh, that put together this independent tour. So mm-hmm. we didn't really have anyone managing the bookings or anything. It was all done through, through us. Um, right. Abbas kind of spearheaded the project. Mm-hmm. In terms of like connecting with venues, um, you know, looking for different places to perform and working out the logistics, and basically it was just like it was just three independent comics of color touring the country, <laughs> running gun. guns. Like, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. just going to the, like the most random like Gander, fucking Newfoundland.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? That's so, so wild. And yeah. how was the reception? Everyone was uh, pretty positive, or did you deal with some challenges along the way?
0: Um. To be honest, I think I was expecting there was I was expecting there to be more kind of challenges in terms of the cultural wow. differences yeah. for, for smaller towns. But there, everyone is actually much more receptive than I thought them to be. Nice. The shows were dope, um, and surprisingly enough, a lot of the smaller towns that you would go to, the like some of the more suburban places, mm-hmm. actually had some of the best shows because oh, like. Wow it's such a close-knit community that right. I guess they don't have much going on there. So like when something like this happens, it's like, it's an event, you know what I mean? Like, they yeah. Want to bring yeah. It it's and a spectacle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. It's a spectacle. Yeah. Yeah. But also the funny thing was like, no matter where we went, like it could have been like the most less diverse of towns, like Sydney, Nova Scotia, or like Gander, Newfoundland. We somehow still managed to bring out some kind of diversity because like, you know, there'll be some like like Mo's Egyptian. So right. like, I remember we went to Gander and it was like all white people. But then yeah. this, there was this whole Egyptian family that that was like, "Yo, we saw your name," and we're like, "Oh, you know what I mean? We want to come."
1: Man. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> they recognized it. it. Yeah. yeah, they found found the familiarity for sure, exactly. and that's what yeah. a lot of comedians excel in, right? Is uh, you know, Sebastian Maniscalco. The other day, I was watching his Netflix special. I'm Italian, right? So our family we resonate with his humor, um, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like the selling point uh, for, for him to. Uh, create a special like that right like that's kind of like a shtick as they say so yeah. um yeah
0: i one thing about him too i actually did because i'm i'm not like a huge follower of his right but right. a boss was telling me when he started out yeah. this was essentially what he was doing he would go like tour across the country i believe uh, and he would say like yo i'll host a middle a headline like whatever you want me to do i'll do it but like after the show, he would talk to people, he would network. And like that way, whenever he came back, people already knew him. So they were like, yo, we want to go support this guy. So even though his like social media platform at the time may not have been that big, people right. knew who he was because like it was like that face to face like gorilla type marketing he did.
1: Yeah, for sure. No. It, and that's what uh, gets him to the success that he is yeah. now. Right. Um, it's Definitely. building that foundation and in increments. Um, slowly along the way slowly but surely i should say um, it's that foundation right um, as an artist as a filmmaker myself you know that's what i kind of have to acknowledge and recognize um you know through the podcast you know communicating with people like yourself as i continue to make you know fans or supporters or people that just um you know uh, respect me as a uh, creator as a human being uh, eventually when you know i have my moment to, to shine as they say you'll recognize me or you remember me or you'll be like in that fan base right it's all it all starts with now it's not like when you make it that's when you have your fans it's like no you build them along the way and so many people that we've associated with uh proven that notion
0: yeah absolutely i love that man i love that
1: ideology Uh, perfect man perfect well speaking about your experiences you know traveling across uh you know canada and going at all these like uh unpredictable places and dealing with all these challenges um i want to know from yourself like how did you become involved in comedy in the first place
0: um uh, well okay do you want the long-winded answer or do you want the short answer? whatever yeah.
1: whatever is the most authentic or, or speaks the most truth about like how you um, how you
0: come up yeah so like growing up as a kid like i was always a huge fan of stand up you know what i mean okay. and i remember when i was younger i loved watching it like you know there was always like those just for laughs comedy central like kind of shows you will have like headliners coming up during right. a couple minutes um I would love watching that. Chappelle was one of my biggest inspirations growing up. Um, even now, like I still yeah, think legend for sure. Thing. Yeah, he was definitely a legend. But yeah. growing up, I loved watching it. And like I know it sounds kind of cliche, but I remember watching these guys on TV and almost picturing myself there. Like I would picture myself like that's on amazing. Stage yeah. Feminism. So, manifestation was, is, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. 100% but I guess at the time you don't know it. Right? Yeah, of you're
1: course, just, of course. No, you're I get a you,
0: kid, you're so you're just kind of reenacting yeah. things out. Yeah. And then, um, and over time, like, you know, going to school and stuff, I was actually like, I was a pretty introverted kid, to be quite right. honest. I didn't really talk to much people, but it was kind of contra like, there was very contradictory because, like, as introverted as I was, I was always the class clown you know i mean i was always the guy that would like make jokes and bust jokes in class or like when there was like presentations like i know people hated like school presentations and stuff like that but i loved it because that was like a moment for me to kind of like bring that part of me out it's like you had to listen to me so i would always try to make them fun or i would always try to make them funny and things like that and um you know gradually comedy went from something that I just liked doing to almost becoming like a defense mechanism because like mm, I moved to, to Vaughn like about four or five years ago uh, but I grew up in Jane and Finch and like I love where I grew up you know I love <laughs> my community but like growing up there like you know there was always like this pressure especially being a male growing up in that area where it's like you can't really show any signs of weakness or like, you know what I mean? Or you would get preyed upon or people would kind of smell that fear. So it was like, you either had to put on this facade of being like this tough gangster guy. I got you. Yeah.
1: No vulnerability.
0: Yeah. No vulnerability. You know what I mean? And like, I wasn't that guy. Like I wasn't. Yeah. No, you're a lovable guy. I wasn't (laughs) from the hood. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So, so I had to like find a balance for myself. And I remember in high school, there was always these older heads there was all these older guys that would stay behind the school waiting waiting for just the younger kids to come out and they would like you know like just rob your shit like tap your pockets oh, wow. whatever. You Chains, give me your change you have a phone chain whatever um but they never robbed me not because like i was untouchable but because i was broke i didn't have any money i didn't have a phone <laughs> yeah oh shit what <laughs> it's like yo you can't steal right shit. right you know, there's nothing to but, take from you. <laughs> exactly. I thought you were
1: going to say something heartfelt, like, no, they saw the goodness in me and they no, 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 thought no, no, otherwise. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> They're just like,
0: "No, nah, this guy has nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This guy is poor.
1: But yeah. You're like,
0: yeah, yeah. But what happened, I remember one time we were out there and like, these guys were coming up to me, but I remember one of them saying like, yo, uh, loud that kid, like leave him alone. He's right. funny. So uh, I, I'm assuming he saw me, like, maybe because I used to do a lot of, like, plays and stuff in school, like for oh, drama cool. class. Like a theater oh, program? We,
1: nice.
0: No, like, yeah. Like, we had, like, a regular Yeah, yeah, drama. yeah. But I remember we used to perform them in of the school, like, on stage. In the oh, shit, work. yeah. I used to do little, ske- like, we used to do little sketches and stuff. And people loved it. And of course, I guess yeah. he might have saw that and was like, yo, this kid's pretty funny, like, loud. You know what I mean? And I remember that. On top of the fact of like, you know, shit that was going on at home, like my pops left at a young age. Right. I remember when he was around, there was a lot of like that, that uh, there was a lot of that tension in the house. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I understand. Arguments and things like that. Right. Learning how to navigate like a dysfunctional household was like the only thing I knew how to do best was to break tension because like I was pretty young at the time. You know, I had an older brother who was kind of taking on a lot of responsibilities, like, yeah. you know, going to school, working, of course. helping out with the bills and all of those things. So, like, I just took on this role as almost being like a mediator, but also that that joker in the house to like right. make it wasn't a comic attentive. relief
1: to kind of alleviate yeah. the tension yeah, and exactly. the drama that was going on. Yeah, that's very interesting. And the,
0: and the thing is, I didn't know I was playing that role until afterwards. You know what mm. I mean? But
1: it didn't hit you, yeah, until you yeah, retrospect.
0: Yeah. Exactly. But I guess like fast forward until after high school. You know, I remember during high school, all my friends used to say, like, bro, you gotta try stand-up, you gotta try it. And my first set ever was at this club called Absolute Comedy nice. uh, at Young and Eglinton. I still work with those guys, but nice. Um, I did the pro am night. And I remember at the time to sign up for an amateur night, you had to call the first Tuesday of, of the month between 10 a.m. and 10 30. To get on for the following month, and oh, like, wow. and I'm not lying to you, like you would <laughs> literally call at least three hundred times
1: because oh,
0: sometimes you wouldn't every, even go through the call, bro. No, like you oh, would wow. call and it would just go straight to voicemail, so Holy you would have to call. Holy shit! So it's like it getting was
1: tickets crazy. to Elite Gamers or it's just some <laughs> event, yeah,
0: bro. It was crazy. So I did that for four months consecutively, and then I finally got through, and then they put me on, and I remember it was like a sold out show all my friends came like my the whole front table was full of my friends and family and uh and i remember the guy hosting at the time was this asian dude with dreadlocks he doesn't do comedy anymore it was like i need you but he brings me up and he's like yo it's this kid's first time um you know who knows he might be the next big state big thing ladies and gentlemen please give up for jesse singh and i go up and i crushed like oh awesome wow your first time yeah stage? five to seven minutes i crushed well wow, right? good for you there you go <laughs> it was like and i remember getting off stage and i'm like yo like i'm born for this like you know what i mean I'm right. like, this is crazy like you know that's and the then, earthen- yeah bro for a year after that i ate dick <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> that
1: one that five minutes of glory never whenever uh saw the light no.
0: again. Yeah, fuck. oh bro
1: that's but crazy yeah. man yeah what a story dang No, honestly, what a story. And I I just, uh, I love that it's not a typical story, right? Like a lot of people, they pursue comedy, um, obviously for various reasons or the arts, I should say. Um, You know, for me, like I pursue movies because I just love movies and that's all I know. Like my parents kind of raised me on it. And I love the idea of telling stories. And I guess in my adolescence, my adulthood, that's when I realized I can kind of uh, project uh, feelings or values or whatever emotions I'm kind of going through in my mind into a story, right? Um, And that's what I found most captivating. But you yourself, you used comedy like this lifelong passion to diffuse a lot of tension a lot of drama in your household um and alleviate like kind of mediate um family members um you know that were going through pain and anguish um which i i find very very intriguing uh the fact that i guess it's in hindsight right because you didn't actively pursue that um when you were with your family like being funny right you kind of just did it maybe as a psychological uh way of deactivating any tension in the house right um
0: absolutely and even just for myself you know what i mean yeah
1: yeah that's what i was gonna say subconsciously for yourself you're probably like dealing let's say with anxiety or like borderline depression kind of thing but your body that's how your body was able to react to it right instead of going that route it was like no let's look to the humor of 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 this moment right let's look to the light side of things instead of being dark and depressive because a lot of people can turn that way Right. They yeah. can kind of like switch their mind that way. So I'm really happy I worked for you for the better. Um, you kind of answered my question, um, kind of touched on it where your family and friends uh, came across as supportive. Um, you're, do Were they as and do they continue to be supportive um, with your, your comedy or was it uh, more of a learned <laughs> kind of proposition? Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: When I say family, I mean, specifically my brother and my cousins. My mom okay. still hated the idea. Is um, she still
1: <laughs> hating the idea? Seeing some progress? Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. She still thinks it's not a real job. Right, right. In her mind now, it's kind of like, well, I can't, like, I've been doing it consistently for so long. And she sees how much I invested into it. I was going to say, yeah. No matter. So in her mind now, it's like, whatever I tell this guy is not, like, it's not going to make a difference. (laughs) So my parents act too. He made his, like, he chose his path. Made up his mind. Yeah as much as i keep telling him that this is stupid like whatever it's not going to go anywhere he's not going to listen so now she's kind of turning around she's not so much supportive but she's less on the side of convincing me not to do it yeah you know like now she'll ask me like oh how the show go whatever whatever you know things like that but um but it's not it's it's straight away from like you should stop doing comedy, focus on a real job. Cause I do have a job outside of this, but like, right. you know, but uh, but yeah. So I, I wouldn't say supportive, I would just say less discouraging.
1: <laughs> yeah, I got you. I got yeah. you. Yeah. Like not right at my ass, but around the corner. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's but, that's interesting. Yeah. But my brother, like he's always been supportive from day one. You know what I mean? He's definitely been a huge support system. Um, in terms of friends. Like, yeah, there's a couple of friends that I was still sure you love, but a lot of them just don't come to shows anymore, which I get because in the no, beginning, when they were coming to shows. It was like open mics where I was performing for like five. But There's years. also
1: a novelty, right? Like you just started and like yeah, the hype. Right. Yeah. But now it's like your career. So it's like to go consistently. It's like, OK, like we, we know he's funny, you know what I mean? It's kind of or even exactly. that they just know your humor or know who you are as a person. So, they can't yeah. kind of distinguish the two. So, it's kind of like, like I said, the novelty wears off of he's been, we've seen him on stage, we know how he acts, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I can see him coming around for sure when you get your first special, right? Because that'll be like another chapter in your life, right? Definitely. Um, but yeah, no, for sure. That's really crazy. And I love how you like touched on the challenges, you know, um, traveling around Canada recently and, you know, kind of dealing with the diversity, uh, how your humor, your style of comedy kind of um, resonates with certain individuals, like the mm-hmm. crowd, the audience. And also the challenges of, you know, becoming a comedian, right? Like, let's be honest, it's not easy. The arts, I should say, right? Like a filmmaker, anything that we're trying to pursue um, has its drawbacks. I want to know from you, though, like what motivates you most about this craft, despite encountering those
0: setbacks and failures? I think it's like, it's similar to what Chappelle had said in one of his, at the end of one of his specials, where he talks about how as a comedian, like we're kind of the only people left that are allowed to talk reckless. And it's like, we almost have this responsibility um, to speak that way because otherwise like the future generations won't know what reckless talk looks like, you know? And I think one of the biggest things for me of this craft wasn't so much about like the art form itself, in terms of like what i can gain from it or like where i can go with stand-up but more so what stand-up gave to me you know what i mean and i think what it gave me was like this sense of learning how to navigate the world and not take shit too seriously you know what Mm. i mean like when when things hit the fan or when something traumatic happens in your life you know oftentimes it's easy to dwell in that and become like a victim to your circumstances you hear a lot of comedians go up on stage and tell some of the most vulnerable stories and I think to me that's like you know and people say it all the time that it's like therapy but it really is because like you're trying to find a sense of light and humor in some of the most darkest and heinous of situations and to me that's the most beautiful thing about stand-up is that like it really is the last place where I think the real freedom of speech exists. You know what I mean? And I think that's why sure. I have so much respect for people that do this on a day-to-day basis, people that make a living off of it, but um, also just the art itself. I think it's incredible. Well, you said it
1: right there, like uh, invoking the name of uh, Dave Chappelle. Like yeah. he's one of my favorites for that reason. Again, I'm a big on storytelling. So as you can imagine, he's not like your typical comedian that goes up there, you know, one, two hit and then the punchline. Yeah, Um, this guy gives a long drawn out story uh, that border, you know, uh, touches on um, politics, touches on race, uh, touches on, you know, some thought provoking subject matter that a lot of people don't really want to think about when they're watching a comedian. But he does it in a way where he kind of takes you on this journey. Like he was talking about like slavery, like Africans uh, dealing with slavery. And Mm -hmm. it's amazing to me. That's his genius. Right. That he kind of like the punchline. You kind of laugh about it at the end. Right. And it's kind of touching on what you're saying is you know, observing life, um, through a different lens, right? Like, yes, if we could all go around thinking everything, it's dark and gloomy. And, you know, why are we even here? But if you kind of see the positivity in some things, or just again, making light of it, um, going back to like you as, as a, you know, a person growing up in a hostile, like household, right. Or, or a attention-filled household, you know, how to navigate through that. So that's really that's cool, definitely. man. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, man, uh, it, it's wild. Right. Cause like I have my days, especially like, you know, recently where, you kind of question, like especially with the end of the year coming. Um, I don't know if you're the same as a creative. Like you wonder, like oh, what's the new year going to bring? Uh, fear of the unknown. Uh, it's kind of exciting, but it's also very terrifying because you don't know. But that's life, I guess, right? And that's like even if you had a steady, safe job or passion, um, yeah. whatever have you, right? Um, I think like the benefit for us is that we can actually say we're doing something we love, right? And that's what kind of draws us closer uh, to achieving our, our success, but. Um, I want to get into now, like, you know, the fact about, because we, we've kind of touched on the subject of mental health, really. Um, yeah. A lot of these kind of underlining <laughs> meanings <laughs> to this conversation uh, has to do with, right. You know, being uh, true to yourself and uh, looking after your well being. and upon viewing your Instagram page, I noticed you're an advocate of meditative practices that encourage self-care through a spiritual lifestyle. And I find this really cool because it's a unique attribute from your profile that distinguishes you from many comedians in the industry who I don't see sharing the same content. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, flat out, uh, gigs and reels and, and just yeah, yeah. videos of just jokes. And then here you are with every other video by a tree or sitting on <laughs> a patch of grass, <laughs> just yeah. staring into the, the camera and saying, did you have a hard day today? Let me talk. <laughs> you know? And I know I'm, I'm, being honest. Like it actually helped me, um, with a lot of aspects, you know, I kind of always look for inspirational content and I thought that was so compelling. Um, Thanks. but I want to know from you again, like, why does this subject matter carry such importance for you?
0: I think, um, it's funny because you actually said something about it earlier, where it was like growing up and, and for a large portion of my life, I was dealing with like depression and anxiety. Yeah. But the thing is, like at the time, I didn't know that's what it was. I didn't even know I was battling those things, to be quite honest, because like when you're so in, like when you're so in that mindset, it's like that's all you know so like you don't even think that like there's more to the world or more ways to view the world outside of this realm to better you know yourself right. yeah yeah exactly. Like, there's no just, way out
1: that's what depression is right you feel 100%, helpless yeah
0: 100 and you kind of see everything through that lens you know and um you know so like i remember i guess the, the clearest memory I, I can remember as to what was the kind of the catalyst or the catapult that, that pushed me in that direction was right. um at first I always had like this iffy relationship when it came to religion because my dad was a very religious person growing up but he was also a very angry person you know what I mean yeah. so as a kid when you see things like that it's like well I don't know how the two and two equate you know what I mean yeah. or like see it as like almost this this, this Negative influence in your life if you get too invested in it. And again, I got nothing for love for my pops now. You're right. For you're sure. Right? Yeah. You but found amends. Was- yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, perfect. Really. Perfect. But I think that was like the first glimpse of like what religion was, what spirituality was, and like growing up as a kid, you know, religion isn't taught to you. It's like something yeah. that's given to you. That's like, hey, you got to follow. It's this. inherited. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, why? Like, you know, right, no yeah, one told tells- yeah.
1: Like, I'm Catholic, but it's, like, I never had a day where I'm, like, why am I Catholic? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I know what you mean. It's not something you adopt yourself. Like, you kind of just thrust it into a baptism,
0: communion, yeah. Yeah, or you're told all these stories, but no one tells you how to apply it to your life. That makes sense, yeah. It's true. So, growing up and learning all of those things, I had this, like, weird relationship with religion, weird relationship with God. Because, to me, it was, like, he was, like, this authority figure. You know what I mean? That, like everything that i did like the re- like i had this weird thought mm-hmm. i remember at one point too that the reason why bad shit was happening to me was because i was doing wrong things in front of god so i always felt guilty i was felt ashamed and things like that i understand but it it wasn't until i got into like this it wasn't really a relationship it was like because a relationship both people think no they're dating I right. was the only one that thought we were dating. <laughs> so, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> Wait, is
1: this a past relationship?
0: Yeah, yeah, it was a past oh relationship. Oh my god. you were in well, that's odd. Yeah, I've
1: never been <laughs> you were yeah, dating yeah, someone like, that thought you guys were just friends? Well, no,
0: it was like uh it was a situationship. Like she basically like that's so like, funny it just seemed like we weren't dating that's a gone.
1: that's a skit as yeah that's a, that's a skit on its own my god
0: you know what i mean so
1: no no i i understand no for sure it's not far-fetched but like i just <laughs> yeah. kind of wrap my you know what i mean it's like at one point don't you say like yeah keep spending time alone with this yeah person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah exactly but i think basically <laughs> from that though yeah. that was like my first experience of like heartbreak you know what i mean my uh, first okay. actually like falling. when you found out they didn't have the same feelings yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, like, okay. no, not even that. The way oh. it ended was crazy. She ended up, like, hooking up with some next man, dating him, told me that she wasn't ready for a relationship. Oh, okay,
1: them. okay. Like, she decided okay. to do it the fucking street with
0: her. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But, again, though, again, it was, like, one of those things where, like, it was so, like, when that whole thing played out, it was, like, I remember my first thought was, like, um, yo, like, like, all this shit happens to me. You know what I mean? Like, oh, why yeah. is type of thing. And it's like, but then I remember, like, as bad as that, that experience may have been, like, felt at the time, it was probably the biggest catalyst for change. Because after that, it was like a domino effect. Like, I remember one time, I was like, thinking about all of these things like that right. went wrong. And like, you know, I was, I, I was like, in the deepest place of like that depressed feeling. And I remember one day I woke up and I'm like, yo, I don't want to, I don't want to feel like this anymore. You know? And then that's when I started diving deeper into like Buddhism and like meditative properties and things like that. And I remember having a different relationship with spirituality as a whole and and with God as a whole, because rather than feeling as though like I'm powerless to like life or, or whatever the case is now, I understood that like life wasn't happening to me it was happening for me i was know? just about and, to say that yeah, that yeah all yeah. of those all of those hurdles that you experience through life like with even with that that relationship whatever that i was in or part of right it taught me something you know what i mean so you can choose to either take lessons from those experiences in life or you can see it as something that's burdensome that you can't get out of you know but i think that revelation for me and that feeling of like finally being free of like that, that, that place that I was stuck in, I just felt this urge to be like, yo, like, I want other people to know that this is possible too. You know what I mean? And I think that's why, and I've always been an advocate for mental health because there's been a lot of mental health that was existent in my family. But like in the South Asian community, it's not really talked about you know what I oh, mean? for very, sure yeah even an italian bring-up man like we weren't the way yeah. i was
1: raised uh gender roles are very poignant you know what i mean like a very uh, uh probably yeah uh like in the sense that uh you know you're a guy like when i went through my own heartbreaks um <laughs> i was told straight to my face like you know it's been a week move on <laughs> it's like yeah a week like bro and <laughs> um i'm not kidding you man like i have a very tough mom and like uh, like the way she talks to me and i obviously it's like a tough love like they do it because they don't want you to be sad and whatever it breaks their sure. heart but i'm just saying as like the gender dynamics like with a girl it's more like tender and like yo fuck him you don't need him and they were saying the same things but it's like different like you could tell it was more like yeah. focus on getting a job focus on work and um by not catering by not uh, adhering to like your mental health right by ignoring it you're only damaging yourself that's what kind of i learned um yeah so I think that's why I've read a lot of like self-help books and well-being books in the pandemic, because I wanted to really kind of understand, you know, who I am as a human being. And Definitely. this is also what helped me uh, transcend my career, right? Uh, helped me navigate uh, my passion to become a filmmaker, because that was something I was also ignoring, right? Um, just basically, like you were saying, kind of denying um, the person you are and letting life happen to you instead of for you. And I see yeah. that as now too, like whenever something bad happens... I always give it like a week. Sometimes it might take a year, but in a short term, I quickly realized like, wow, if, it, if that didn't happen, this didn't happen.
0: 100%, 100% bro.
1: Like, I really 100%. believe that. And I feel like individuals like us, like, you know we're so you're a buddhist you 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 practice buddhist religion uh
0: like i wouldn't label myself like i would just say like that's definitely a a dogma or a philosophy of life that i follow and like but like i i think all religions kind of speak the same truth i just try to find the truth in all of
1: right yeah because what i'm trying to say is like being catholic and you you know practicing that dogma of of like buddhism um we both like can resonate with each other about there's a higher being and that's why i wish like i don't want to get like Whole, like spiritual political right now but yeah I, I wish that the world would like see it that way where yeah we have all these different religions but just like we have different countries we're all trying to achieve the same goals right yeah uh, a quality of life a standard of life that we can all find happiness and peace and with religion that's a set that's if you notice as a collective society that's what we all believe in is a higher power um something that's greater than ourselves and yeah. something that we adhere to that's our humanity so yeah it's very beautiful that you said that and, and that's why i'm saying like you're a very noble man and like that's why I, um no i'm serious man like i obviously i love your comedy i love your work but what makes you different that one percent is uh because you practice and you preach these these kinds of uh spiritual messages that really uh uplift a lot of people um that are kind of like in dour moments so yeah keep keep doing that keep doing your thing for sure um i want to know yeah yeah i want to know like how has this content benefited your career and the lives of the people
0: that consume it um you mean like the, the, the whole, yeah, like I wanted to,
1: industry, yeah. Right? So what I want to know is like, cause I'm watching it, right. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah. I wonder if people out there are really like absorbing it the way I am. Like, has it in the community industry, um, touched any lives, any colleagues, any peers, like they come to you and say, thanks for helping me out with this. Or like people in your audience, like your, your fan base, um, have they DM'd you? Like how, how, what is the reception been like? Yeah.
0: To be honest, like, at one point, I was actually going to stop making them because I felt insecure almost. No, like I felt no, insecure. yeah. Like, I felt that like, yeah. I felt like, yo, like, these are so long. Are people even watching it? Like, you know, with someone... one one like. With someone, yeah. <laughs> Make you question your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? But then, like, but then I realized, I'm like, yo, I'm just feeding into, like, I'm forgetting why I chose to do it in the first place. 100%. You know what I mean? Because then I started fixating on the idea of, like, you know, people aren't viewing this as much as the other content. I don't know if people are like, no one's sharing it. No one's commenting. I don't even know if it's like people are listening. Exactly. But then, but then exactly what you said is what started to happen. Like there was some people that started hitting me up in the DMS and just asking me questions, like not even, not even about the videos, but just in general about life or like feeling some type of way. And I remember growing up as a kid, um, You know, even in my friend group, I was always kind of that guy that, you know, not to sound pretentious, but like I think it was just because like I I got very good at learning how to read other people's emotions because I knew emotional intelligence. Yeah, yeah, because I knew that like if they were upset, it would be bad for me. So like maybe I got to learn how to like navigate it. But because of that, it transferred into friendships too, where like I was just more empathetic or like more willing to listen to certain like to people and their stories. And then people start opening up to me a lot more. And I think this is exactly what started to happen now where people started reaching out. Especially in the most recent video I made where it was about pursuing your passion and like growing up with like immigrant parents. It's like there's always a sense of guilt when you want to pursue something that you love because it's like, yo, I know how much you struggled to bring me here. I know how hard it was for you to Create a life for me. I want to do the same thing for you, but it's almost like, am I being selfish for doing something that I love doing rather than following what it is you want me to follow? You know, and I think that was one of the biggest things that I that I was battling. But I think that video really touched a lot of people because I started getting a lot of messages about that specifically, and like a lot of people saying like, "Yo, I've been having the same thought. I've been dealing with the same thing." this definitely gave me a different perspective or let me know that I'm not alone feeling that way, you know? So I think
1: that's, yeah, that's understandable. Like for sure. And like just kind of speaking to you, um, that's why I kind of like um, relate with you a lot on, on a lot of the things that you're discussing. And I also like just enjoy your character because uh, you're empathetic right off the bat. You can kind of tell, and you have that emotional intelligence. And there's no shame in that, right? Like, to, to kind of yeah. say that. There are people that lack that. There are people that just can't understand putting themselves in someone else's shoes or just really can't sympathize what they're going through. Um, especially in today's society. Uh, not, to, not to shit on anyone, but like...
0: No, I I get just it, feel bro. like
1: it's a, such a superpower, bro, to have a, to emotional intelligence, like to say like, yeah, I understand what you're going through. That's why... People like it's so funny, like, because I hear it now, like, especially with heartbreak and shit like that, like, everyone's like, oh, everyone's the same. Everyone's this. It's like, yeah, because no one takes a moment to just stop and say, like, well, what's the person asking from me? You know what I mean? It's all this selfish, like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. And I'm guilty of that, too, of course, because I went through my own traumas that I've I've developed this like heart exterior where it's like, I don't want to let anyone inside. But I realized recently, the only way to like kind of get back out there, the only way to, you know, have a healthy relationship with another human being is to be vulnerable again. You got to open your heart up a bit. And that's what people struggle with so much with you know it's like oh I don't want to make the first move I don't want to do that and it's like what why not like this whole notion about you know telling someone your true feelings like you don't have to say flat out like I love you but like you know those people that they if they find out they like you like too soon right yeah and they think you're needy and this and it's like well yeah, what's wrong with just being like transparent you know what 100%. I mean what it's a sign of flattery right but yeah it's a different values now
0: no no, I 100% agree bro and I think <laughs> I think one of the things for me too was like the reason why this whole message that I was trying to like um, preach, like yeah, I guess preach, or like even um, like the pat, like the idea of like spirituality and things like that for me was learning that vulnerability piece, but not being afraid of it, you know? Because I think I wanted to get myself into a position where like I can be as transparent as I can with someone. And in doing so, I'm not afraid of the repercussions because I know I'll be okay. You know, and I think that's the biggest thing is when people are afraid of actually expressing themselves to someone that they care about is because they don't know if it's going to be reciprocated. But I think the idea of emotional intelligence isn't necessarily or the, the, the purpose of like achieving that peace of mind or like peace within yourself isn't so that like, bad shit doesn't happen to you. It's so that when bad shit happens or heartbreak happens, that at the end of the day you know that you're going to be okay. You yeah. know what I mean? And I talked about this in one of my videos too is that like the safest place in any storm is right in the center. You know, like in a hurricane it's in the eye, in the tornado it's in the eye. Yeah. Even though there's a storm going on around the nucleus. <laughs> you. Yeah. You're quite, yeah. the nucleus. It's yeah, quiet, yeah. you know what I mean? Not so
1: I understand that. And I, and I love, you know, uh, I'm very insightful just listening to you, you know, just how you kind of navigate your emotions and it's very brave too. Right. As a, as a man to like, kind of like discuss this. Um, Cause I know a lot of people would say, why are you talking about your feelings? But uh, yes. that's how we learn. We learn from right. one another, right. How to be better. We help each other um, and feed off each other. So uh, good on you, man, for sure. Um, Thank you, so man. I want to, yeah, I want to get on, get back to your content. Um, yeah. You know, you as a comedian, your latest project that you've been proudly uh, promoting across social media is a short film comedy called Tales from the Mandom. And yeah. I want to know, like, what is the premise behind this story? And why did you decide to become involved with the project?
0: Uh, so, if, oddly enough, the whole thing actually came about from a sketch that I made a while back. Like, okay, in cool my on. basement, I was just playing on, a, like, a little steel yeah, pen yeah, yeah. story. But the whole idea of the story revolves around a character named Grungy. Who is kind of like your everyday um stereotypical Toronto man? And okay. <laughs> I think the character itself was like an embodiment of like someone that everyone has come across in their life before. 100%. Like someone who's just slimy, who like just has selfish, no conceited. Yeah, yeah. selfish, yeah. no regard for other people. Yeah. But like just so over the top that it's just comical. Cartoony, you know? yeah yeah so like a caricature
1: kind of... Of, of a toronto man yeah
0: exactly yeah, so yeah. that's that's exactly where like the <laughs> no essence... redeeming qualities <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's awesome so, man that's essentially where the essence of this character came from awesome yeah and
1: um and i guess this is something like you wanted to cultivate yourself because it, it's a passion project from the beginning like this was your baby like you no, got a so lot of like, reception
0: yeah it, it definitely yeah. got good reception but the yeah. crazy thing is, is the way it happened was. Year, like a couple of years ago i showed up to this set that like one of my friends she was shooting like a commercial a fake commercial just to make like a demo reel i guess like a portfolio for herself right. and uh, i met this my boy henry who kind of directed and and did the whole videography and everything this the, the yeah. like he he filmed the whole thing but basically i met him one time and i met him there years ago after i posted that sketch he saw it and he's like bro i love this story can we make this into like a feature short and i'm like 100% bro so he just he reached out to me he's a then, filmmaker by the way he's a filmmaker yeah oh awesome awesome yeah and he has like he works for a production he has their they have their own production company i think it's called lost people pictures okay cool like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah sounds legit <laughs> yeah yeah sounds bro, a legit yeah. operation that's what you need <laughs> so he he's the one that hit me up and was like yo i want to turn this into something real and for I was sure like, let's do it so you know we spent i think i want to say three four days filming but they were yeah. like 16 hour days um you know what i mean just getting everything down pat uh and then it took about a year or so or like it took just like eight months to a year to finally finish editing. Cause he also works full time in the film industry. Oh, okay. I understand. You know, he was kind of like going back and forth, getting the coloring. It's tough, man. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah, bro. And it, and it was, bro, like, so I kind of just, again, it was something that I never thought about. It was something that I wanted to happen, but I didn't know how to make happen. Right. And it kind of just fell in my lap, you awesome. know, and I'm, um, more than grateful for those guys and the team man because well for I sure think, it looked professional right like you had an
1: actual team that's why i wanted i was yeah. alluding to right like did you get a production team was it you that filmed it like what happened <laughs>
0: bro, it was the, it was like a skeleton crew so he was that's the awesome. filmmaker but then he like just called in a lot of people that he worked with in the past some of his homies that lighting worked. and stuff yeah exactly yeah. And they came on they're like bro let's make this shit happen
1: no man I've, I've been on set before and like that's all you need like people don't realize a lot of the projects that i i make you know, given obviously their production value, they are made like sometimes solo, like just by myself. Yeah. But yeah. that's what sometimes you need, right? Like to get a vision out there. It's like, you don't want to have time to assemble a crew and figure out budgeting and all that. It's like, sometimes you just got to get that vision out there because then it becomes irrelevant, right? Like Tales of the Mandem. imagine if it was like a two-year production, you know what I mean? And you finally get the short film out in two years from now. Like, where are you at your career? Do you even want to yeah. put it out? You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like good on you that you're like always on top of the game. and uh putting it out there and yeah for sure being grateful for the people around you that's that's uh uh, quite quite a good quality to have um and i want to know like how has the short film because i've noticed it's gotten uh official selection at a festival or two and i want to know like yeah go ahead sorry
0: no finish where no no i just
1: wanted to say like that reception like how has that helped your brand um as a comedian did it create more opportunities for you to perform stand-up like were, were you able to leverage that uh
0: those accolades to, to um, get more gigs not as yet i don't want to speak too much about what we're oh, okay. doing the no problem. Yet. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. but there's still there definitely is some more things in the work for it but uh as of recently we did get uh we got nominated for best uh well i got nominated for best comedic actor uh for BIPOC film festival nice. uh, and i also got selected as like best um comedic short from BIPOC film festival. Awesome. But, awesome. Yeah, yeah. But there's some definitely some other things that we're looking to kind of start pushing a bit more. I wanted we to did... make it exclusive on the podcast. You heard it here first. Corner. talks. <laughs> 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 no,
1: I'm joking. I understand. Yeah. I know what it's like, man. You can't say certain things like, um,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, I got well, it's just, it. Sorry. It's
0: just because it, there's nothing official yet. So I don't want to put anything out. No, different. no, I
1: know. And trust me, I, I believe that. Like when I tell people yeah. I can't tell you and they go, why? I'm like, well, because I don't know myself. Like if it's yeah. official and it's like, I don't want to share it. Like, recently, yeah. my film got into um, the Toronto Shorts International Film Festival. That's dope. That being held at Yeah, it's, gonna, it's being held at UFT, so I'm really excited. But for a month and a half, I couldn't yeah. share news to anyone because they yeah. said, we will let you know when you can disclose it. I'm like, oh, shit. So yeah. um, now I can, obviously. But uh, up until that time, I was, like, telling people, like, ah, the video's removed, and you'll know why. <laughs> you know what I mean? Kind of, like, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. But, uh, no, yeah. good on you, man. I, I'm looking forward hey. to uh, – i saw i saw the film like i i really enjoyed the production uh that was involved um and that kind of like begs my next question uh do you foresee yourself developing more narrative projects uh like tales from the mandem and potentially expanding your character actor comedy into uh, skills into like feature film projects similar to what
0: adam sandler and will ferrell did bro i would love to yeah i think that was like because like i said before stand-up i started in improv and sketch you know right. what i mean and a lot of it was like and then i remember even in high school we created like our own play like we like did a whole like we wrote it ourselves and everything and gotcha. i remember we took it around to different high schools as part of the sears festival but like again we were just kids from the hood so yeah. like when we formed this play yeah like these guys had these schools had money like they had fucking props like, <laughs> like oh here yeah. we were, where we're, we're like, just like, we're like opening the, we're using the air as a door, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, Low budget, man, shoestring budget, that's what yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but people,
1: that's why I love the run and gun, man, because, I don't know, there's something gritty about like, that kind of filmmaking, like I, oh, Tarantino's dude. my hero, right? So you kind of see like, Reservoir Dogs, and obviously you had a, a budget that I can, can't comprehend even now, because yeah. it's a million dollars, right? Yeah. But in million dollars is like chump change in Hollywood, but you see the film Reservoir Dogs and you see something like Django and chain. And I don't know, there's like a charm to that gritty, like indie independent film. You know what I mean? Like filmmaking, like one location, like that's where the magic happens. Right. Um, Not that Django and chain wasn't to the same level or caliber, but uh, I always like enjoy like seeing the come up of a lot of filmmakers, like looking back, like, you know, just popping, like even for music, like Eminem, like his first kind of like album, like it's just, if you really listen to it, I'm not talking about like my name, um, name is what like that song whatever i'm talking about like infinite i don't know if you ever watched yeah yeah yeah. or uh like his first album there's just a a quality that um it's like frozen in time like it's it's before they became famous you know yeah so Mm -hmm. yeah man that's that's really commendable i'm I'm really uh, proud of you like the progress i've seen uh since meeting you at nothing fancy uh that comedy show you know it it was really cool to capture a little bit of your comedy in that behind the scenes vlog that I made. And you've been very supportive, yes. very generous in uh sharing that video. So thank you again. Um much more content to be coming out as well. Um cool. but you. yeah man, for sure. Yeah. Thank you uh,
0: uh for for coming on the podcast. you have anything else to say before you leave? Uh no that's basically it, bro. I just want to thank Perfect. you again for the opportunity. Uh if anyone has social media, Instagram, you can follow me at the Punjabi Timbit. That's um... right, Punjabi Timbit. Let's go. Now that's not, <laughs> yeah. that's just
1: your Instagram. Man. That's not your like stage name or anything, right?
0: No, no, no. My name oh, okay, okay. is just my name, Jesse. Lo-
1: lo- 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 when you first mentioned that at the Nothing Fancy, <laughs> I'm like, did I hear that right? Like, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I and mean, you weren't kidding. Like, like yeah, it definitely sticks. That's hilarious, buddy. Well, well it's a pleasure uh, having you on the podcast. Thank you again, Jesse Singh. Thank you yeah. again, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk soon.